0: Today we're having our first episode. I'm very excited. I'm the kind of person that grieves the fact that DVD extras are now a thing of the past, and we wanted to bring that concept to the Alibi podcast. I'm Paul McNally. And just to say that this series is for members only, so people that are members of the Alibi podcast. That means you've subscribed on Apple Podcasts, on Anchor, uh, through Paystack, And you've become a member. And we really appreciate that. It's all in aid of funding our third and hopefully fourth series. And this DVD Extras podcast is a way to kind of say thank you. If you haven't become a member yet, you can find out all the details at alibipodcast.com. We're asking for a couple of dollars every month. I know it's not the climate for that, but let it be known that it's going to fund investigative African journalism, and hopefully a podcast series that you find really entertaining. Now, what better way to start the series than one of my oldest friends, who also happened to do the music for Alibi. His name is John Bartman. Cool. Can you so, can you hear me?
1: I can hear you. It's a little bit soft. Oh, good. How's, how's me? a little
0: bit soft.
1: Yeah, you're perfect. Is that oh, better? God. Yeah, that's a bit better, yeah. And I kind of like the fact that my voice is slightly more powerful than yours at the <laughs> moment. <laughs> one, two, one, two. Cool. Good. Well, it's good to see you. Yeah, you too. Sorry about all that chaos. Let me just fly no, through the okay. sky. Okay, so let's
0: go. Okay, 2016, 2016. We were working on the first season of Alibi. What were you doing in 2016? Where were you at sort of professionally and personally and like all that sort of stuff? What were you, where was your head at?
1: 2016 was the last great reboot. Um, we actually went to Australia for a, <laughs> for a couple of months. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I went to yeah. Australia and ended up, uh, yeah, basically living in my uh, sister-in-law's family basement for a few months. And I, got, I managed to get some work done from there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess that was the start of the idea that remote work could be a thing, which I'm now like pursuing wholeheartedly. And then professionally, I, j- I just finished um, with VoiceMap. I was uh, kind of still doing some stuff remotely for them. Um, but yeah, the GPS audio app that I was working with, it um, was great. It was like a good three years.
0: Just explain that because I, I always loved VoiceMap. What was your, what was VoiceMap again?
1: Mm voice maps amazing so the story is uh the founder Cape capetonian guy who had a uh, hookup with another south african who ran an incubator in singapore and uh pitched him in a, this idea of you know interesting gps tours not like boring museum tours and these bus tours he actually worked for the cape town bus uh, tourism bus uh, service and he just found this the tours very static so the idea of starting to actually get locals, people who lived in the areas, to write these tours. And then basically at its heart, VoiceMap is uh, GPS and audio together. So audio that only triggers or plays back on your app when you go to that location. And with that, the right. applications are, yeah, you, do, you can do museum tours and... Uh, you know, very cool, like walks through the city and that kind of thing. And I also did that, um, that fictional tour through the forests here in Cape Town. Yes. um, Yeah. Can you
0: guess what this area once was? Is just up the path.
1: When you're done, make your way onwards.
0: Do you still get people finding that? Because we should put that in the show notes as well. Actually, I love that. Yeah, it sure. Was so sure. cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't really pay too much attention to it. I think about it when I go do those walks, but uh, it's not like it's not something I'm really pushing. You know, it was kind of a layer yeah. of love, and uh, I, I really enjoyed putting it together for sure.
0: Yeah, and then at that time we were also doing. I, I was writing down some notes and I remember that um I showed you the first draft of Alibi with my voiceover and you were like you should just release it there's no point polishing a turd was basically your uh, advice oh, yes, to a, me
1: <laughs> That's a music industry saying that's a music industry <laughs> saying you can't if the if the band thinks they're amazing and then says can you fix it in post the sound engineer often (laughs) has to utter that phrase back to them like just rather rather do a few more passes and get it right on the recording yeah
0: i think we re-recorded everything like so many times i mean it's been a long time you can be very candid like what did you how did you find it
1: hey man it's not like it's not like i was super experienced back then either you know the, the idea of doing music uh for audio so audio storytelling to me was just amazing um I've learned a lot since then. <laughs> I realized that like, yeah, you know, a lot of the work that I did back then was wanting, but that's it. That's the process. You just throw your hat over the fence. Um so I was just happy to be on board, bro. To be honest, it was just uh, it was quite an honor for me to like be able to tell tell people I'm scoring something. You know, I'm actually like uh, mm. I was in, I was kind of involved in the helping with um some of the flow and the whatever the production stuff. But, in, but at, at the heart of it, I was like sitting down going, right, okay, we've got a few cues to come up with. And uh, it was it felt like the first steps on uh, the journey to scoring and, you know, narrative scoring and film scoring, TV and stuff like that. So it was great. And it was a, it was a door that I'm very glad that you guys opened for me.
0: Okay, cool. That's good to hear. And then what – so then when you say that you've like learned a lot since then, what do you sort of see – having happened since then in in terms of yeah and what you've learned but then also just i guess i mean audio production and your role in it since then what what do you kind of see
1: everybody wears a lot of hats but specifically with something as like low down on, on the hierarchy as music is and i just say that because uh of of the abundance of music that's available um the people who do the 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 people who who sign up and stick their hand in there and go, I'm the musician, often end up doing other stuff. And this has been true for every production I've worked in. Um mm. the nonfiction stuff, the fiction stuff, I've always been it's kind of had a seat in the table, seat at the table for um input on scripting and stuff. So it's kind of it almost feels like uh, being able to play a couple of chords on a piano or having access to some music software tools that kind of enables you to have credibility in other departments because i assume that the team that you're working with looks at you and goes okay well this person is obviously a creative person we don't have to try and you know get them to prove that and then to judge their suggestions on on merit so i guess the biggest realization has just been that the the dream the, (laughs) the naive dream is that you're just going to be doing music when in reality you're probably going to be asked to chime in on, on a lot of other stuff which is kind of as it should be um if you're doing a project for the passion if you're not doing it for the passion then yeah you can write the music and and that's uh, over and done with um but I think so far um, yeah I would say most of the projects that I've worked on have just yeah been run on some kind of like natural desire to tell that story and to help that story be um easy on the ear so nothing and uh, nothing that. Creates too much, you know, tension in the listener, and also uh, just yeah, have a high quality. So yeah, wear a lot of hats.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think you also, I think you also like sell yourself short a bit on that because I reckon I assume why you've been brought into those projects um, as a creative is because you're so good at all the other things as well. Like people are like, okay, this guy is ostensibly here for the music but we can also get him to help us with the script and help us with this and like all the stuff that you helped with in Alibi. So I assume it's like, if you weren't so good at all those things, then you probably wouldn't get asked, right,
1: as well. Well, I guess it works then, you know? Like if I were have come in Guns <laughs> base and be like, I'm Mr. Know-it-all, then I wouldn't get those kinds of referrals. And, and yeah. thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, your reputation is, is everything that you've got. So if you can... Not um impose your will too much, but at the same time, be very helpful and not be like uninterested and take three weeks to get back to someone. Uh, and be a con- if you contribute, then you get a good reputation And so, yeah, yeah, I really do work very hard at this stuff. And I was doing some sums today. I'm like, okay, so about eighty percent of the work of my time that I spend working is either educational, so I'm studying or just completely not paid because I'm learning something about how to do the job better next time and etc cetera, etc cetera. but the results are i mean i still get these emails quite regularly saying hey i found you on so and so can you do this and now i'm getting to that point which i've been working for for 15 years which is uh, to be on the receiving end of interesting you know um, and preferably lucrative job opportunities gigs freelance opportunities um stuff that i can enjoy and still kind of keep the lights on with you know that's that's mm. the, the middle way <laughs> mm. yeah. but reputation is key definitely yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean i i want to get into the audio drama stuff a bit as well but like maybe we oh. can just talk about where podcasting was at in 2016 especially in south africa and I guess by extension, the music. I mean, serial loomed large, right, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working for a nonprofit that specialized in wrongful convictions. So it kind of seemed like, okay, right, this is an opportunity for us to do a possible wrongful conviction in a serial type format. Um, how much of that kind of baggage did you take into doing the music? So when you were doing the music, like, how much of that, like, I I mean, obviously you were aware of it, but how much of it were you kind of um, influenced by? How much were you trying to like
1: subvert, like all that sort of stuff? It should be known that like I was, Serial blew my mind. I was one of those people who was like, have you heard of Serial? And most people are like, what's that? Yeah. It's a podcast. And they're like, what's that? (laughs) I I actually experimented in, in 2016 at that time. I was inspired by podcasting. And I actually launched a podcast. I started a podcast in 2016, which was called Serious Advice for South African Musicians or something like that. And I recorded three episodes and uploaded them and learned how RSS worked and all that. So I was inspired at the time. And I think you and I had this chat to keep it pretty much on the format of uh, Serial. So you'll, the theme song, of course, is a sound alike. It's, you know, you don't have to be musical to hear the similarity between the Alibi theme song and the, and the um, Serial one. But from there, it started to diverge. And the main difference is the quantity of music. I was just so amped. I was so excited about writing music that I came up with a whole bunch of themes and they're actually still online. Um, In fact, I made a sale of one of them today. So the themes that I wrote in 2016, um, I released as a uh, album sort of thing, kind of like a Creative Commons contribution called Heart of Podcast Themes, which has a a bunch of typical generic moods. Uh, for example, betrayal, acceptance, accusation, uh, trauma, tension, release—all that kind of stuff, stuff that people could use. So I was, I was just, I was just—I mean, you, you really—it's just like a, almost a chemical reaction happened. You just drop a little bit of nickel into the Bunsen burner, and suddenly, like, thing just like explodes. And and it's been going like that since then too. So it didn't take a lot, is what I'm saying, for me to really jump on board. And then, um, in terms of the actual musical contribution. Serial, as I mentioned, was quite sparse with their music, which suits the journalistic form format quite well. But I wanted to give our one, uh, you know, the Alibi series, a bit more of a heartfelt kind of approach. So I wrote a lot more music for it. Um, early days, kind of learning how it worked and stuff. But um, cool. yeah, since then, since then it's been, um, yeah, since then I've written a lot of music, and that, I re- i always think of that as the starting point for. Uh, a career in scoring was alibi for sure. Okay, that's cool. Uh,
0: I just want to talk a little bit about your audio drama stuff because you sort of pitch yourself yes. now in, in with many different hats, I guess. But also part of it is this, as someone who does um, music composition for audio dramas, which is kind of, you know, these sorts of journalistic podcasts l- owe a lot to the dramas. Um, but they're not, I mean, where do you see the differences? Where where do you see the similarities and why have you kind of gravitated to that as something that you want to do?
1: Yeah, this is such a great question. The, at the heart of it is the relationship between the news and entertainment. Um, So as a musician, Mm. if somebody wants their show to sound more newsy, then use less music and a certain type. And if they want it to sound more like entertainment, then use, generally speaking, more music and also a certain type. So you can really sway the outcome. Um, I mean, the power, the power. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) you you really can make it sound, like for example, when I was really young, I saw this clip and it was an illustration of how music scoring works. And it was just a picture of like a 10 second clip of an alligator walking down a riverbank and sliding into the water, just nature documentary the first thing they did was they gave it the terrible, terrifying music and he has the scary monster. And then they gave it some kind of like cool jazz and that became like funny. And so the same clip could be interpreted according to the music. Um, Right. Yeah. So yeah, at the heart of it is like, I guess you need to know from the directors and producers, what are we doing here? Is this meant to make people go, this is so cool. Or is this meant to make people go, I feel smarter now or, um, Mm. you know, who are you aiming for? And it really, most of the time, if I, and ask those questions to teams the answer um, is is more vague than i would like it would be perfect if the brief was super specific like like it kind of was with um with alibi it was very much like we're, we're making cereal and i could go with that uh so yeah there are playbooks in place and i guess that's what you end up ultimately in this age where everybody actually kind of knows how to make music or has at least the tools to put together something basic i mean you can you can write music in a web browser now you don't even need like an audio workstation or any software libraries or any midi keyboards or anything so in the age of saturation like this what you actually you know hire someone for is judgment and i'm seeing that more now like in the uh, in the the the, the quote requests and the, you know the offers i get is um it's people reaching out saying you know we, we need someone who knows how to do this um, not not just knows mm. how to copy but actually understands the whole process like what the end result should be you know i think the influence of fiction is becoming far more like powerful now on nonfiction um for example um everything is being sensationalized and dramatized even the news and music is a big part of that.
0: Obviously you worked on the second season as well. What was the difference in working on the second season
1: compared to the first? The, for me, it was a definite improvement in the overall quality of the music. So I kind of cut my teeth on the first season. And it was also the ice had been broken. So it was easier because we could revisit um, themes, musical themes and the way it had been paved. You know, it was like, much much simpler process, yeah.
0: Maybe we should just lo- finish with um, a quick plug of your podcast, which is fantastic, by the way. Um, mm. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about yeah, that sure. a bit? Like how I make music is very cool. Yeah, and cool. and sort of evolved massively. Yeah, um, yeah, that's and the idea. and grown in huge success. You just give uh, what's the elevator pitch <laughs> on how I make music? Because sure, I do sure. like the elevator pitch on it.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's very niche. Uh, so the name of the show is "How I Make Music," but it's actually not about how I make music. It's about how all of these other people make music.
0: <sighs> I music. that
1: play under the historical
0: audio drama.
1: Uh, elevator pitch. It's the it's where the audio drama composers get to tell their own stories. So it is a an interview series with various different composers, mostly from the UK and Europe and the States. The piece of music you're currently listening to is called The Fog Clears. And uh, they all take 20 minutes to tell stories and use their own musical compositions and the parts to Uh, convey a very smooth listening experience. I call it psychedelic editing. No one's ever reached the top. That we know of. Maybe they didn't want to come back down. In a silent host format. So while I do chat to them, I elicit their responses in a video chat. I actually edit my voice out entirely. So what the listener hears is the Song Exploder format, which is just the artist talking about their work with an underscore of original material which can be remixed. So it's a very colourful, very creative approach towards interview. The, sh- the show is non-fiction, but all of the people who, all of the guests on the show who are actually the hosts, they are all makers or creators of fiction podcasts. So it straddles the worlds quite nicely, and there's no one else doing what I'm doing, um, subject matter or format, uh is they're both completely unique and completely original so i'm quite proud of it i've done um in total i've done 107 episodes the first 58 have been archived because they were the foundation the roots of the show you can get them if you sign up as a patreon as a patron um and then yeah i've got a patreon page now which is starting to grow i'm getting like 14 a month and I'm aiming for 50, which covers the costs of the show. So I'm finding one by one, people like, they either don't know about it or they just have heard it a couple of times and then they love it. So it's really finding people who are passionate about it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'll give it a listen. It's good for, even if you're not a musician, or I actually edit it deliberately so that people who aren't musical can enjoy the experience of listening to these, like this kind of smooth interview format, very um, psychedelic editing. Yeah, give it a listen. Tell me what you think. I'd love to hear. Cool. It. <laughs>
0: I'd love to hear what cool. you guys
1: think. Yeah. Um, cool. That's oh. it. Thanks so much, John. All right. Good. Thank you for having me, Paul.
0: Thank you very much to everyone for listening. This has been DVD Extras, an alibi podcast. If you are not yet a member, and you're listening to this through a friend or a relative, well, then you can become one at alibipodcast.com. If you are a member, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We're going to be keeping you updated on all the developments for series three and hopefully series four, as well as putting out regular DVD extra podcasts and the newsletter. If you're not subscribed to our regular newsletter that comes out every two weeks, then you can at alibipodcast.com. Go there, put in your email address, and you'll get an exciting newsletter every two weeks about investigative podcasts. So we speak to some of the best investigative podcast producers from all around the world and get their tips and tricks. Thank you very much for listening. I'm really excited to bring Alibi back into the world. Goodbye.